That'll be tomorrow night at 7 p.m. in the student ministry building. Amen? So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Kevin. Good morning, Lake Church. I don't know if I'm on or not. Uh, just want to make it known to you that Pastor Greg this morning is with one of our trained ministers network pastors, uh, Pastor Steve Sutter in Bernice, Oklahoma. That's up around Grove. Anyway, uh, he's a great ministry uh, partner of ours and pastors down there this morning, dedicating a new auditorium and preaching for them. So anyway, it's, that's very exciting. Yeah. Amen. One of the things the Lord put on our heart here as part of the vision is to create a, a network of ministers. And, you know, pastor is really a pastor to pastors. That's evident by just looking at who's in this church. So it's exciting to see God expand in that part of the ministry. So he's there, but he'll be back next week. So this morning you get me. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. So I hope you brought your Bibles. We're going to look at some uh, scripture this morning. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to actually continue. I think it was in February or something like that that I started this series. Did two parts on authority issues. On authority issues. Let me ask you a question. You know, Jesse brought this up earlier. I hadn't thought about it, but uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experienced a great exploit of God, I mean, to be thrown in a fiery furnace and to come out without even the smell of smoke on you. You know, we see in the Old Testament, we see God doing all kinds of great exploits through the men and women of God. And, um, <clears throat> you know, the Bible tells us that we have a better covenant. So let me ask you a question. Should, uh, should we be seeing uh, the same or less or greater of uh, the exploits of God? I mean, do we have less power and authority or should we have more power and authority? I mean, it's just logical to think if we live under a better covenant established upon better promises that we should, and think about this, Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead and ascended back and is seated at the right hand of God, representing us as our high priest before the heavenly throne. Should we not have more than what they had in the Old Testament? When I think about that, it causes me to question why. And it makes me uh, ask myself, you know, um, where are we missing it? What's the missing ingredient? And, you know, Jesse mentioned that when they were faced with this king who said, you're going to bow down or I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace, it was their confession. Our God will deliver us. And, you know, I heard, uh, I have to say this, I heard uh, Charles Capps teaching on that one time. And, you know, it actually says, our God will deliver. He said, if you throw us in the fiery furnace... Let it be known to you that our God will deliver us. And if not, we're not going to bow down to your idol. Now think about this for a minute. If he, <laughs> he said, if we're, let it be known to you that if you throw us in, our God will deliver us. And if not, we're not going to bow down. Now, if he threw them in, if they were saying, and if he doesn't deliver us, we're not going to. No, listen, if he had, didn't deliver them, there wouldn't be an opportunity for them to bow down. 
Actually, what he was, they were saying was, our God will deliver us, and if you don't throw us in, we're still not bowing down to your idol. Their confession of faith was, our, if you throw us in there, our God's going to deliver us. There was no question about it in their mind. And that really has a lot to do with what I'm talking about today, is I want to reveal to you an aspect of authority that I believe is causing us to not see the exploits of God in our life. How many of you, uh, when you think about it, you desire to see greater results as far as the exploits of God in your life? Man, every person should be raising their hand because our standard is Jesus. If we're not seeing the same results that Jesus did, then we're still, we still should be pursuing to see a greater level of the exploits of God and the supernatural power of God in our life. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm not always seeing 100% of what I'm believing. And, you know, we got we to gotta not allow ourselves to just look around and compare ourselves to other people and just say, well, good enough, you know. No, we have to look at Jesus. He's the standard. We have to look at Jesus and say, you know, I'm not going to stop going after. I'm not going to stop believing. I'm not going to stop pursuing. I'm not going to stop asking the questions that need to be asked to seek the answers that I need to get so that I can see a greater revelation of the supernatural power and exploits of God in our life. Because, listen, the world doesn't need a doctrine. The world needs to see, they need to see an experience Jesus went preaching, teaching, and healing. In other words, proclaiming, explaining, and demonstrating the power of God to the world. It's the demonstration that backs up and validates the word that we're declaring. And so uh, I just want to look at this because so many believers have fallen into the lie that Christianity is just about morality. You know, just live your life as a good, moral person. That's what God is desiring. That's the goal of being a Christian, is just to live a good, moral life. But actually, the purpose of Christianity and the goal is spirituality, not morality. Because, listen, even unbelievers can live a level of morality. And if you live a spiritual life, you will be moral. It's just, <laughs> I don't know if you see the difference there, but you can live moral and not be spiritual. But if you're spiritual, you'll be moral. It'll take care of itself. So we're supposed to be pursuing a spiritual life. So I want to look at Genesis chapter 1 and get our bearings back to understanding what was God's original intent, purpose for mankind. Because it wasn't just to live a moral life. It was to live a life of power, authority, purpose. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. That word means to rule as a king. To rule as a king. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I could say some things about that, but I will just not get sidetracked. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. I want to focus on the word subdue there because that word means to bring under your control by force. God made man to be a king. Kings are endued with power and authority. So when God created man, he endued him with the power and authority to subdue the earth and to bring it under his control, even if by force, if need be. You know, when the the serpent came along a couple chapters later, he didn't overtake Adam by force. He used Adam's own authority against him. He used Adam's own authority against him. See, our, there's an enemy. Most people don't even realize that there's an enemy and that we are in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual war, but we've been well equipped. <laughs> we've been well equipped to overcome problem is, is that you can't take advantage of what you don't understand belongs to you. And if you don't understand how to use it, it's just like you didn't even have it to begin with. You know, the devil works through ignorance and apathy. We just don't know, or we're just too lazy to find out. <laughs> Coming out, shooting right out of the bat. <laughs> So our job is to rule as a king, to have power and authority, and to bring the unseen realm uh, to bear on the seen realm. Take the spiritual and unseen invisible kingdom of God and cause it to to dominate the earth realm. That's a great purpose. That's a great purpose that God has put into our lives. So um, when God gave man authority... He limited his own. Most people, a lot of people believe that God just does whatever he wants whenever he wants to. I used to think that. And the problem with that is you blame God for things the devil's doing. (laughs) And uh, you uh, put the responsibility off on God for things that you should be doing. See, what God did when he gave authority to man was he limited his own authority by his word. You know, there's an extreme teaching on the sovereignty of God out there that just says that whatever happens in this world, either God, uh, he, willed, he willed it or he allowed it. It's absolutely not the truth. Let me ask you a question. Who has dominion on the earth? So we can't blame God for things that we're not doing. <laughs> We, we have to get this understanding that if we're not seeing what the Bible says we should be seeing, it's not because God's withholding. It's because there's an enemy who's opposing. And we've been in darkness. We've been in ignorance. And we've also allowed ourselves to just live life without a urgency 
to understand and operate in what belongs to us. Oh, man, that was good. We're not living with an urgency to understand and operate in what belongs to us. So part one, I'm just going to kind of review to set the stage for what I want to talk about today. But part one of this message was that authority is responsibility. (laughs) Most people don't like that word, but authority is responsibility. Listen, there's a difference in power and authority. Now, power is the ability to act. But authority is the right or the responsibility to act. Because when somebody puts something under your authority, it's your responsibility to make sure that it gets done. So when God gave us authority, he gave us the responsibility. And the ability, the power comes from God. But it's under our authority. That means if the power of God is not functioning and manifesting and overcoming the kingdom of darkness, it's not because God's withholding something. It's because we're not operating in the authority and the power that God has invested in the church, which is his body. The representative of God's kingdom on earth is you and me. And nobody else is coming. (laughs) We're it. We're it. And so... It's authority is the responsibility, and the Lord is not going to do what he's told us to do. I don't care how much you cry. I don't care how much you beg. I don't care how much you try to uh, get all your ducks in a row to try and get him to move. God's not going to do what he's told us to do. In fact, I'll say this, it would be illegal for him to do so. He would have to violate his own word and his own order that he established when he created the earth and gave authority to man in order to come in and begin to do things that he's told that he's given us the authority to do. Mm. God is a God of order. You know, that's the whole reason that Jesus came was because God had to become a man in order to rend back the authority that Satan had stolen in the garden. You know, God just couldn't come in as God and just take that authority back from Satan. Why? Because he would be violating his own word. So God became a man and came to earth so that as a man he could take back the authority which rightfully belonged to mankind and that he could give it back to us. After he died on the cross and paid for our sins, it gave him the legal right to give us back the power and authority that he always intended for us to have and to operate in from the very beginning. To redeem us back to our rightful places as the kings on earth with dominion and authority over all of the earth and over all of creation. You know, that was the problem in the Garden of Eden is that Adam, you know, when the serpent came, all Adam had to do was exercise authority over him and cast him out of the garden. Everything would have been fine. But he abdicated his responsibility to exercise authority over the devil. And I would say, (laughs) I would say the reason we're not seeing the level of supernatural power and exploits in the church is because we've abdicated our authority. Yes, 
Ah. And we've been asking God to do what he told us to do. Oh, man. So in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, I'm going to read some scriptures. So Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, the Apostle Paul says that, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. God has, God and our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us, that's past tense, with every, say every, every, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. What this scripture reveals is that God hasn't withheld anything. And too many of us have this idea that we're trying to get God to give us something that he hasn't already given us. When this scripture tells us right here, he's already given us every spiritual blessing. So let me ask you, how many has he withheld? None. I'm not trying to trick you. <laughs> he has given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now notice it's spiritual blessings. Stick with me. He's given us spiritual blessings. It's up to us to take the spiritual blessings God has given us and bring them to manifest in the physical realm. We'll say that again. Jesse got it. God has blessed us in Christ. Where's Christ? He's in you. Your answer is not outside of yourself. Your answer is within you. <laughs> Your answer is within you. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. But we are to take the spiritual blessings that he's given us and by faith make them manifest in the physical realm. And here's the second teaching that I did. God's kingdom is governed by spiritual laws. Laws, the thing you got to understand about laws, laws are things that are consistent. That means like the law of gravity, it works the same here as it does in Florida. If it's different, you're talking about phenomena. It might be that way or it might not. No, laws are consistent. They're always the same and they work the same everywhere all the time. We have to understand that God's kingdom is governed by spiritual laws. And if we can learn how to cooperate with the laws that govern God's kingdom. And I'm not talking about the law of Moses. I'm talking about spiritual laws that govern how spiritual things are transferred from the spiritual realm to the physical realm. See, because we've, we've believed that God's deciding but here's the, here's, the, here's the reason we're not seeing the results is because we don't realize God already decided. God already made his judgment. He already decided. He already put his stamp on every word in this book in Christ Jesus. He decided for every man. And just for an example, healing. This is a good outward um, you know, it's a good way to judge this because there's an outward manifestation that you can see. And you can judge. But healing, too many people believe that we pray for healing and then God makes a decision, yes or no, about it. Listen, God already said yes in Christ Jesus. Jesus 
he bore the stripes on his back for our healing. And the Bible declares that by his stripes, ye were healed. So God isn't deciding things on a case-by-case basis. Man, if I could just get, if we could get this. God is not deciding on a case-by-case basis. I've heard people say before, we prayed for someone uh, to be healed and God said no. I've heard that said before. That's absolutely false. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians that Jesus is the yes to every promise of God. God is not decided on a case-by-case basis. In fact, Jesus said for you to go and heal the sick. He said for me. He said for the church to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I know that's hard. I see people are uncomfortable with this. I can just see it. I don't see it physically, but I can see it spiritually that there are people uncomfortable with this. And they're saying, you mean it's my responsibility? You mean it's on me? That's exactly what I'm saying. Until we wake to the fact that it's our responsibility and we quit putting it off on God, we're never going to see what the Bible says that we're supposed to see. How can, let me ask you a question. How can you pray the prayer of faith if you don't know whether God's saying yes or God's saying no? In the book of James, it says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. (laughs) You can't pray the prayer of faith until you know what the will of God is. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to get to my message, but it's good anyway. (laughs) But if we can understand the laws, see, here's the thing about laws. Laws come with a benefit and a detriment. If you cooperate with them, you get the benefit. If you violate them, you get the detriment. It's like the laws that govern electricity. If you cooperate with them, you're going to have the benefit of what that law provides you. We have air flowing in here, keeping us cool. We have lights. We have the ability to stream out all over the world right now because of electricity. But listen, you violate the laws that govern electricity, it'll kill you. (laughs) See, and many of us are dying. I'm not, maybe not talking about physical death, but that too. Many of us are dying under our own ignorance because we don't understand the laws that govern spiritual things. Mm, That is good. Thank you, D. I like, this actually blesses me. Because listen, if it was on God's end, there's nothing I can do about it. This should be very encouraging to you. Because if the problem is on God's end and he's just saying no, how are you going to change his mind and get him to say yes? (laughs) He said, I'm God, I change not. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How are you going to twist God's arm? (laughs) How are you going to perform enough to get God to go ahead and change his mind? It's not like a kid who's able to badger their parents until they finally get tired of listening to them and give in and say, okay, we're going to give you your way. (laughs) What are you going to do? But if it's on my end, then I can make an adjustment. 
And I'm not talking about doing something to get God. He's already decided. I'm talking about learning how to operate by the laws that govern the kingdom of God and being able to access what God has already provided and made available to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Here's the thing, though. Our authority is opposed you know, in John 10, 10, Jesus said this, the thief cometh not but for to kill and steal and destroy. It's opposed. First Peter 5 and 8 says, the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know what that tells me? He can't just devour anybody. But he's seeking whom he can devour. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12 reveal that we, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. We're being opposed. So we have to stand in our authority. And even when it doesn't seem like it's working, we have to continue to stand. Therefore, <laughs> we have to continue to stand in what we know and continue to stand in what God's word has declared and stop making excuses for ourselves and for our lives. But here's the good news. We have authority over our enemy. It's just up to us to exercise it. And look, let's look at some scriptures. I want to read some scriptures. Matthew 28 and 18. We're going to go fast. Matthew 28 and 18. This is when Jesus is about to ascend back to heaven. He's got his disciples gathered with him, and he says this in verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Let me ask you something. Did Jesus already have authority in heaven? Absolutely. So when he came here, he came to gain back authority where? On the earth. And he's making a declaration. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And here's the good part. The next verse says, go therefore. The word therefore points back to the statement he just made. So what he's doing is he's transferring that authority that he gained to the church. So it doesn't, we don't have a level of authority that is below Jesus' authority. We have Jesus' authority on the earth. Mm. Look at Mark chapter 16. Mark 16. You know, I know you guys already know all these verses intellectually. So I'm not reading anything you haven't read before. But man, we got to move past intellectual knowledge. Biblical knowledge isn't intellectual, it's experiential. We're, we've been fooled into thinking if we know it intellectually that we know it. But nothing you're experiencing or doing, anything you're not experiencing or doing, you don't know it. So that tells me that we have to do more than just know this verse intellectually. We are going to have to meditate on them until the Holy Spirit unveils the truth of that to us so that we can operate in what it's declaring belongs to us. In Mark 16, verse uh, 15, it says, this is the same instance that I just read in Matthew. 
but he shares some more information. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, that means in the authority of the name of Jesus that he transferred to us. Listen, we are Christ. (laughs) I'll tell you, that might make some people uncomfortable. I'm not saying I'm Jesus. I'm saying we are Christ. We are the body of Christ. And in his name, they will cast out demons. If you look at this in the Greek, it actually says they will exercise authority over the devil. They will exercise authority over the devil. So the the very kingdom of darkness that's opposing us and trying to impede our authority and the power of God being manifest in the earth, we have authority over them. We have the ability to cast them out with a word, as Jesus said. So many people have built the devil up to be this big, bad enemy who's like just the opposite of God. He's not the opposite of God. He was an angel who was created by God, and he is under the authority of Jesus. And Jesus rendered back that authority and gave it to us. We got to get the, re- the realization that we have authority over him. The devil is not a problem. He's only a problem to those who uh, give him the ability to devour them through ignorance. In fact, the word darkness, when you talk about the kingdom of darkness, the word darkness in the Bible means ignorance. Light means revelation. So the only uh, way that the devil can oppose us is through our own ignorance. Mm. If we just, by us not knowing what belongs to us and not knowing how to execute it, that's the only thing that he has. You know, Colossians says that God defeated and disarmed the devil. He made an open show of him. (laughs) triumphing over him through the cross. Here's the thing that I want you to see is that when we deal with, when we, we face the enemy in the execution of our authority, we need to do it with the revelation that he is under us, that he's under us. Look at Colossians chapter one. I think one of the reasons we stumble at this is because we were once under his authority. All of us were. (laughs) There was a time when we were under the authority of the enemy. When uh, Adam uh, rebelled against God and submitted to to Satan in the Garden of Eden, he placed every human being after him under the authority of the devil. But Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. You know, it's uh, translated power. Uh, he's delivered us from the power of darkness there. But in the Greek, 
the word exousia means authority. So it should actually be translated authority. We are not under the authority of the devil. In fact, the devil is under our authority. <laughs> how many of us have not realized? <laughs> I'm talking about we've known that scripture, but how many of us have not taken the time to get the revelation that the devil is, I mean, we sing about the devil's under our feet, but then in practice, in practice, we see something different. A couple more scriptures. Turn to Ephesians. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 1, the apostle Paul's praying, and it's, it's powerful to see how he prayed because these are prayers in the New Testament. And when you examine the prayers of Paul in the New Testament, what you find is he never is asking God to give them something. Like, Lord, I pray that you heal the church. I pray that you get the devil off their back. I pray that uh, you send revival. He never prays, God, would you bless the church? All the typical prayers that people in the church pray. <clears throat> but what he does pray in uh, verse, let's see here, verse 17, it says <clears throat> that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What's Paul praying for? That our hearts would be enlightened to what God has already provided and granted to us through our union with Jesus Christ. And if you look on in chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, it says, We were dead in our trespasses, but God made us alive together with Christ, raised us up together with Him, and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means the church in, in position of authority was raised with Christ far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. That means we are supposed to be executing authority on the earth above every opposition that comes against us. There's never an enemy that opposes us that we don't already have the power and authority to put under our feet. <clears throat> There's no problem that comes your way that you have an excuse for bowing down to. There's no problem that we face in life that we're going to have an excuse for bowing down to it because God has already provided the power and the authority to overcome each and every situation and every enemy. There's no name. There's nothing with a name that has the ability to execute authority over us in this life. Every sickness is given a name. They love to give it a name because they want you to identify with it. 
They want you to identify with it and say, my, I'm not going to say any of them because I don't want to say it. <laughs> my this or my that. No, you're just putting a label on yourself. Every name, not only in this age, but that which is to come is under the feet of the body of Christ. And he's the head, we're the body. Hmm. I like what Brother Hagin said, even if you're the little toe on the foot. <laughs> even if you're the little toe in the body of Christ on the foot, the devil's under you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So listen, you know, as I've been reading these verses, we know we're, we're in authority. We're above the devil. Listen, not a little bit, far above, <laughs> far above. Man, we need to start getting biblical. We need to start getting biblical. We're not just a little above the devil. We're far above, not in ourself, in our union with Christ. <laughs> but some people have built the devil up to where he's this big, bad enemy that's just imposing his will. Oh, he's not. He can't. He don't have authority over us. So how does he oppose us? This is what I really want to talk about in the last 38 seconds that I have. I know y'all give me a few more minutes. Authority is activated by speaking. It's voice activated. Authority is voice activated. It's executed by speaking. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4 says, where the word of the king is, there's power. Listen, in Christ, you have all been made kings and priests unto God. That means your voice has power. And when you say the word power, I mean authority. In the, in the Hebrew, that word for power actually means authority. A king has what? He has authority. Let me ask you, how does he execute his authority? Does he get up and carry out uh, what he wants? No, he speaks. He decrees. He declares his will, and it's executed based on what he has said out of his mouth. we got to start getting that our mouth, our words... Our voice is what activates the authority and the power that God's invested in us as the church. <clears throat> Listen, Adam's very first exercise was an exercise in executing authority with his words. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 19, God created all the animals, and then he let Adam name them. And you know what's interesting is that the Bible says, and whatever he called them, that was the name thereof. You know what God was showing him? Your words have authority. In fact, God was saying, I'm going to submit to whatever you say. Oh. God said, I'm going to submit to whatever you say because I've given you authority and dominion on the earth. So whatever you call it, that's the name thereof. Listen, that better wake you up because think about this. Whatever you call something, that's going to be the name thereof. Mm-mm. So his first exercise was God revealing to him the, the fact that he had the authority on earth that God would even submit to. God wouldn't override it. Oh. God wouldn't override it. It would be illegal for him to do so. He gave dominion to Adam. God said, whatever you say, that's going to be the name. Make sure you pick a good one. <laughs> And man, the, the, what's the scope of that? 
Think about all the animals and everything on the earth that he named. I don't know how long that took. But over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, Adam said, elephant. God said, I like it. That'll work. Whatever you call it. Mm. So listen, our words are powerful. And that with that power comes great responsibility. Now let's look at a few verses in the book of Proverbs. Uh, look at uh, Proverbs. Let's see here. I have this written down somewhere. Proverbs 12. Now, if we can get this right, this will save us a lot of trouble. It won't save us from all trouble because Jesus said in this life you're going to have tribulation. But listen, it's not where he stopped. He said, but be of good cheer, for I have already overcome the world. (laughs) In uh, Proverbs 12, verse 14, it says this. It says, a man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. That word good, if you look it up in the Hebrew... It means blessing. So our mouth, our words have the ability to invoke blessings. In fact, in the Old Testament, they would lay their hands on their kids and they would speak over their life. What were they doing? Were they just, was it just something nice to do? No, they were invoking the blessing of God over their life. Our words have the ability to invoke blessing. Look at verse 18. In the way of, let me see here. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. So not only do our words invoke blessing, our, ver- our words can impart health, healing. This is talking physical here. Your words have the ability to impart healing, to impart health. Our words are powerful, but look at it at Proverbs 18 and 21. Proverbs 18, 21, life and death. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So here's the thing. The authority is ours. If we cooperate, we get the blessing. If we violate, we're going to get the detriment. Life and death. Or in the power of the tongue. Does that say life and death are in the power of God? No, it says it's in the power of your tongue. So here's the thing. God, though we have authority over the enemy, he can't just come in and just ravage your life. He can't, in fact, he cannot do anything that you don't give consent to. Mm. He's looking for consent, which takes me back to 1 Peter 5, 8. The devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking. What's he seeking? He's seeking, oh, I heard that. Oh, I found something. I found consent. I found consent based on their own words to be able to bring my will about in their life. So the enemy has to get consent 
to oppose us. See, he's not a, he doesn't have an authority to just come in and do stuff. Here's what he does is he gets us to use our own authority against ourselves. You have to cooperate with your own destruction. We have to cooperate with our own destruction. And here's the thing. Here's, let's take it even further. So our words give consent. But where do those words come from? They come from our heart. Jesus said this. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we have to guard our heart. Too many people just say, well, I'm just not going to say that anymore. Let me tell you, when the pressure comes on, whatever's in your heart's coming out. <laughs> Whatever in, is in your heart. Now, I'm not talking about a church because you know how to say the right things here. I'm talking about on the highway when someone cuts you off. What's in your heart is coming out. <laughs> but our heart, Jesus said, out of the good treasure of a man's heart, he brings forth good things. Out of the evil treasure of a man's heart, he brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what he's talking about, he's talking about the fruit of our lips. And with the fruit of our lips, we're either going to eat the goodness of God or we're going to eat the power, you know, what the devil wills for our life. And so we have to guard our heart. We have to be conscious of what's entering our heart. And so the enemy is using a lot of things to try and impart or sow seeds into our heart because then from our heart, we'll speak those things out of our mouth and we give him consent. Oh, man. See, there's an onslaught of words against us in the world that we live in with media and stuff. And I, I don't... I'm just not, I don't mean to just harp on that, but that's a major tool of the devil is media. It's a constant steady stream or flow of words that are coming and going into your ear, which get into your heart and they affect the way that we see life. And then we speak out because when we get in pressure situations, we don't, re, we don't wait and make a response. We react. So we got to guard against that. Listen, all of this indoctrination, I mean education, I mean I, maybe I said it right the first time, that's being put into our public schools, it's there for a purpose. It's to impart ideas into the hearts of this generation so they'll speak them out of their mouth and give consent to the devil. Mm. Well, maybe I'm not this. Maybe I'm this. See, those are words that end up coming out of their mouth, and you've just given a consent to the devil. Look at one more, one more verse, Ephesians chapter 4. This is in the same chapter as those prayers, I mean, same book as those prayers we read. 
Now he's making practical application to the revelation that he's given. In verse 27, it says, neither give place to the devil. That means that you have to give place to the devil. He doesn't have the ability to just take territory. You have to give place to the devil. And I'm not going to read them because I need to get ready to close. But if you look at verses 25 through 31, you'll find that at least six times he mentions speaking. The greatest way that the enemy gets place in your life is through your words. Think about Jesus. When the devil came to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, man, there's a great revelation right there. If he came to tempt Jesus, you better be ready. (laughs) If he came to tempt Jesus, you can just know for sure, 100%, he's coming to tempt you. But listen, how did Jesus... How did Jesus uh, face the opposition or the temptation that the devil brought? It is written. He found his safety in only saying what his father said. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is written. It is written. We need to learn to say that. When, when a young person says, maybe I'm not this, maybe I'm that. No, you need to say, it is written, God created them male and female. The devil comes along and says, he's go- you're going to die of some kind of sickness. You need to say, it is written, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. And if by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed, then by his stripes, I am healed. When, God, when the devil tries to tell you he's going to steal from you, you need to say, I've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. God has already commanded a blessing upon my life, and you can't curse what God has blessed. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord some praise in this place. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we need to say no, no, no. It is written. That's why we exhort, uh, that's why we exhort you all the time to get in the word because you can't say it is written if you don't know what's written. Oh, goodness. Thank you, Lord. So what do we need to do? We need to discover and declare what's written. Man, and listen, we don't, we don't play. Listen, the devil's not playing. I'll just tell you that right now. He already knows the end. He knows he's lost. No one's more dangerous than someone that gets cornered. And they ain't got no options. And I'm telling you, he ain't playing. But I'm telling you this as well. You already have everything that you need. We already have everything that we need to stand against him and to overcome every opposition, every attack, everything that he tries to put against us. We already have the authority and God's power backing up our words to overcome everything that he tries to throw against us. So what would I say this morning? 
Watch your mouth. <laughs> Watch your mouth. That's what I'm saying to myself. Watch our mouth. We need to put a guard on our mouth. But we need to work in our heart. We need to, to know what the word says. We need to meditate on the word the word says, and we need to declare what the word says. It is written. It is written. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. Lord, I just thank you, Father God. I just thank you that you're not withholding, but that you have already granted to us everything that pertains to life and godliness, victory, health, blessing, abundance, that we lack nothing. Hallelujah. We just give you praise for it. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you've provided salvation, full salvation for every person. Jesus already justified every man by his sacrifice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Listen, if there's anybody here this morning, you know, I said earlier that we were all born under the authority of the enemy. But Jesus died. He shed his blood to pay the price for our sins so that we could receive the forgiveness of sins and be justified in God's sight. You know the way that you partake of that? By believing and speaking. You declare Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says you're transferred out from the authority of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son. Listen, if there's anybody here this morning that you've never done that before, there's no reason to go on living under the authority of the devil. God has already made a place for you in the kingdom of God. All there is for you to do is to believe and respond. So if there's anybody here this morning, just by an upraised hand, you can, you can raise your hand. I'll make you come up here, but we will see who you are. and We'll minister to you. We'll pray with you. We'll help you pass from spiritual death to spiritual life. Hallelujah. And you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, even right now. Anybody here this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, if you have any other needs, if you want to come up and have somebody agree with you and speak faith-filled words of God into your life, if you're, if you're battling against some kind of sickness, disease, disorder, addiction, I don't care what it is, God's already said yes. There's going to be ministers up here. They would love to agree with you and see you walk out of this place free this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So if the ministers would go ahead and come forth, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you, but I just want you to make sure you don't leave without getting an agreement this morning and being free of anything that you're struggling with. Amen. God bless you guys. Be sure and be here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Amen.